This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. Back in the 70s, there was a discussion, or a debate really, among evangelical leaders. The subject was, has the supernatural or the miracles have ceased after the disciples, after the early church? Or does God still continue to perform miracles today? But then my mentor and a very dear friend, the late John Stott of England, they said, you know, let me show you historically how in Bible history that there were certain times in which uh, the supernatural activities has been intensified. And he began to walk through the history of the Bible. He said there was an intensity or intensifying of the work of the supernatural back in the days of the Exodus as people of God coming out of Egypt. Uh, that was so clear. And then he went on to talk about why it was the, during the time of the prophets Elijah and Elisha, there was an intensifying of the work of the supernatural become visible to the world. And then the exile time with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he made a statement those many years ago that I consider to be prophetic. He said, the time may come when we in Christendom, referring to the West, where we face a spiritual darkness in which we can anticipate again the work of the supernatural to be apparent. How prophetic that was, because we are coming into the dark ages. We're coming into the spiritual darkness. And therefore, what I want to do is to encourage the people of God, whether you're listening to me here or watching around the world, I want to encourage the people of God to begin to think and walk and living in the supernatural not in the natural. And that is why I'm doing today the series of messages entitled, It is Supernatural. Can you say it with me? It is supernatural. The events and the period of time I will be talking about here in the next six messages, it was a time in the Old Testament where paganism and natural worshiping of the natural God and the gods of nature has overcome God's people. Oh, they worshiped Yahweh on Saturday, but for the rest of the week, they were bowing to Baal and Ashtoreth and Ashtar and all the gods of nature. Elijah, the prophet, in the midst of this darkness, in an earlier period of time than the time I'm going to be talking about, challenged the prophets of Baal and the nature worshipers of wicked King Ahab and wicked, evil Queen Jezebel, and he challenged him on the Mount Carmel, and there God performed a supernatural act in front of their own eyes. But as soon as that supernatural act of God became memory, hazy memory in their minds, the quicker they went back to nature worship and compromise. At that point of history, God raised up the prophet Elisha, to teach his remnant, his faithful believers, within all of Israel, because not all of Israel was faithful, just the faithful remnant. 
that it is supernatural. So I want you to turn with me, please, to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7, and here you find a woman, a widow. Widows in biblical times were at the bottom in every way financially. They were at the bottom of uh, socially. They were at the bottom, period. And this widow had less than nothing. Filing for bankruptcy would have been an absolute wonderful thing for her to do. (laughs) But she couldn't. They did not have bankruptcy laws back then. At least the court would have protected her from her creditors. But this was worse than bankruptcy. Some of you may have looked down the road of bankruptcy or have filed for bankruptcy. This would be wonderful for this lady. This woman was facing shame and degradation and slavery. This woman had nothing to look forward to but servitude for her and her sons. And then she remembered the promises of God. She remembered the promise of God. What is these promises? Well, one of them is when the Holy Spirit inspired King David to write the following words. I have been young, now I'm old. I have never, can you say never with me? seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. Here we see this dear lady at the bottom of degradation. But she did three things. I pray to God that those will come to you and to your memory all the time. First of all, she meets the conditions of the promise of God. And secondly, she manifests confidence in the provision of God. Thirdly, she maximized her capacity to receive the blessing of God. Let's look at this very quickly. They're not going to take a long time at all, so stay with me. Stay tuned. First of all, she meets the condition for receiving the supernatural promises of God. Look at verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 4. She said to Elijah that her late husband, that is the head of the household, and in a Old Testament context and culture, he is the leader of the home. The head of the household had been faithful to God. Her husband led the family into serving and obeying God. Her late husband spent his lifetime pleasing the Lord. Hear me right, please. It's very important. You and I know a whole lot of people who want to receive the blessing of God without meeting the conditions of some of those blessings. There are a whole lot of people who want God to answer them when they have need. There are a whole lot of people who seek to manipulate God in order to get Him to see things their way. Actually, somebody told me this many years ago. I just, if God sees it my way, I'll be in business. I said, no, you wouldn't. (laughs) I saw a quote recently that made me really honestly want to sit there and cry. It was a quote from in the social media. It went something like this. God governs the universe, but our prayers govern God. I want to burst into Greek and say, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. The presumption on God's grace has reached a new low in the 21st century. We have become so confused that we have enthroned ourselves above God. Uh, We have placed ourselves in authority over God, and God has no choice but to obey us. 
Now, my beloved friends, our most desperate need today, I've been saying this and I'm going to say it till the day the Lord takes me home unless something changes. Our most desperate need today is to restore our sense of awe and wonder of our God, to restore our sense of humbling ourselves before God, because it is that restoration that will cause us to say with John the Baptist, He must increase and I must decrease. This godly woman placed her faith not in her good works. She did not even base her faith on the faithfulness of her husband, but she placed her faith squarely in the God who keeps His promises. She placed her faith in the God who is no one's debtor. She believed that God not only meets her needs and the needs of all His faithful children, but He meets the needs of their children's children. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so she meets the condition of the promises of God. Secondly, she manifests confidence in God's provision. Look at verses 2, 3, 4, and 5. The prophet Elisha asked her the question, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? First she said, nothing. It's the construction of the original language. First she said nothing, and then she kind of caught herself and said, well, a drop of oil in a jar. But that's nothing, right? I mean, it meant nothing in comparison to her desperate need, and we all have to agree with her. But she even wanted to offer what she thought to be nothing to God. Beloved, we need to understand that God always starts with what we have. God always starts with what we have. She could have said, you know, what I have is really nothing. Uh, That's okay. God can work with nothing. What I have is so insignificant in comparison to my needs, but that's okay. God used Moses' stick to part the Red Sea. And he used the little boy's lunch to feed 5,000-plus people. See, we don't think that way anymore. So he said to her, what do you have in your house? Because there is where God wants to start. Why? Because God blesses faithfulness. God wants to give much, and I'm not just talking about material things, I'm talking about everything, to the faithful. God wants to send abundant provision to the faithful. God is looking for conduits. God is looking for channels, not dead ends. God wants to bless the cheerful giver. And so Elijah said to her, what do you have in your house? A drop of oil at the bottom of a jar. Probably if you lift it up to the sun, you could hardly see it. It's just a drop of oil. Elijah probably was saying to himself, I know, don't go try to find it in the Bible. It's not there. Great. We've got an oil factory in our hands. We've got an oil factory with God in it. Why? Because when God is in something, you may see the little, He sees the great. Beloved, ask yourself the question, am I faithful with what I have? (laughs) Ask yourself, 
Am I faithful with my tithing and offering? Listen, I had the privilege of knowing people all across the board, all across the board, who were abundantly blessed of God in more ways than I can even count, not just financially, but in every way. They all had one thing in common, one thing in common. They've started with the tithe, but never stopped there. They kept going. I tell people that if you want to bench 200 pounds, you don't start with 200 pounds. You start with 20, and then you build up to it. And so, honoring God with what you have, you've got to start somewhere. Back in 2003, I was preaching in the city of Geelong, outside of Melbourne, Australia, not far from Melbourne. 2003, just remember that. We had just began growing, and we were several hundred radio stations, and and kind of struggling to keep things going, and we did not know whether Australia leading the way is really going to make it or not. And, and I invested so much of my time. I've been there many times, and we get invited to a city. I would go, and, and after I preached in Geelong, and I was greeting people at the end. There was a big radio rally there, and a young 10-year-old boy, his name is David. I have never forgotten him. I never will. He came down the line, and he shyly pressed a $10 bill in my hand. And you can see they're kind of a bit embarrassed with pressing $10 bill. I literally went down on one knee so I can look him in the face, and I said, what is this, David? He said, well, I heard on the radio that you're coming to our town to preach. I saved my monthly allowance to help you preach the gospel around the world. And I said to him, I said, David, God is not only going to bless this $10. He's going to bless you. What do you have in your house? Are you keeping God tithes and offering in your house? Are you keeping the gift of time that God has given you in your house? Have you kept the talent and the gifts that He has given you, your spiritual gift and your natural talents that He's given you? Are you keeping that in your house? This widow could have thought, well, it's even embarrassing to tell him about the drop of oil in the jar. I better say nothing, for it is nothing in comparison to what she needs. Oh, it was insignificant in relationship to her desperation. But she offered the little that she had. That was a huge step of faith in watching the supernatural. She met the condition of the promises of God. She manifests confidence in the provision of God. And thirdly, she maximized her capacity to receive from God. Beloved, this widow, in obedience to the Word of God, through the prophet Elisha, went and borrowed all the jars that she can borrow from all of her neighbors, all the jars that she can get her hands on. She expanded her capacity to receive from God. She maximized her capacity to receive from God. Let me ask you a question. Can we limit our capacity to receive from God? My answer is yes. Can we narrow our vision so much that we limit what God wants to do in us and through us? Yes. 
Can we place boundaries on God's desire to use you? Yes. Someone said that when we go to heaven, we are going to see so many blessings that went unclaimed by God's people. Beloved, it's not by accident that oil in the Old Testament is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It is not by accident that the woman had a drop of oil in the jar of oil. Oil was not only used for cooking, but it was also used for the anointing of prophets, priests, and kings. Oil was a symbol of God's blessings, of God's power, and God's unction. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 21 and 22, it was the Holy Spirit's anointing that gave him authority. The Lord Jesus said to the disciples in Luke 24, 49, He said, wait until the Holy Spirit anoints you. Even the divine Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, did not begin His earthly ministry until the Holy Spirit gave Him the unction in the beginning of His public ministry. This anointing of the Holy Spirit is conditional upon being filled of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's the longing of my heart. It's the longing of my heart. Beloved, you cannot receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit when you are constantly grieving the Holy Spirit, when you are constantly quenching the Holy Spirit. You cannot exercise the power of the Holy Spirit in your life when you are living in continuous disobedience. You cannot experience the overwhelming blessing of the Holy Spirit until you have yielded to the Holy Spirit. Elisha said to the woman, here's the use of translation, here comes, don't be chinchy. <laughs> don't be chinchy. It's actually a more accurate translation. I get it in the vernacular. Don't be chinchy. Expand your capacity to receive. Do not just be contented with few jars. Do not have such low expectation of what God can do in you and through you. Do not have a dim vision of what God wants to do in you and through you. In other words, don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for mediocrity. And that is why the moment she ran out of jars, the oil stopped pouring. Beloved, God will only bless you to the capacity that you make available to Him. You see, God will fill only the empty spaces in your life that you offer Him. God will use and bless what you give Him to use and bless. God's blessing will take the shape and the size of your container. Let me ask you this as I come close to the end. Has the Holy Spirit of God stopped being poured into your life? Has the Holy Spirit of God been hindered from being poured into your life? Have you stopped offering Him empty spaces so that He can fill it? Think about this. Think about this. 
She had a drop of oil in the jar. And yet, Elisha told her to go and borrow multi-gallon containers and vessels. Beloved, listen to me. I know this, and you know this. From the world's perspective, from the natural world, this does not make sense. From the natural, the supernatural never makes sense. From Wall Street's point of view, this is silly talk. Ah, but from God's perspective, it makes sense to God. Indeed, it brings glory to Him. And that's what we should be all about in these last days. Listen to me. The promises of God are not conditional on the Dow Jones Industrial Average or the NASDAQ. They're not. They are conditional on your faithfulness and my faithfulness. They are conditional on our capacity to receive from His hand. They're conditional on emptying ourselves of ourselves so that we be filled more of God. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was in his 80s at this time. And an American asked him, he said, what is the secret of your success? And he winced. And he kind of stuttered for a little bit. And then he said, well, if you put it this way, he said, if there is such thing, it's because God has had all there is of me. God has had all that was of me. Can you say that? Can I say that? I pray to God that we can today. Mm-hmm. 